0: Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of A Mic on the Podium, with me, Michael Seal. Today, I conduct a conversation with the first conductor to be born in Sri Lanka to appear on the podcast. He grew up and studied in Germany, where he entered the famous Kapellmeister system, working at two German theatres before becoming the music director of the Landestheater Salzburg in 2019. It's a great pleasure to welcome Leslie Saganandaraja. Leslie, it is lovely to meet you and to see you and to chat with you today. How are you?
1: I'm great, and thank you for having me. And um, I'm just excited and very grateful to, to have this interview
0: with you. It's a pleasure. I've, I know because we, we were chatting before I pressed record that you're in between rehearsals of Rose and Cavalier. How early or late in the process are you? Actually, it's the second week and next
1: week we start with orchestra rehearsals, so that means we are just we just started actually today with the second act on stage, and um, yeah, it's going pretty well.
0: Yes,
1: and uh, yes, I'm very much enjoying. But I mean, it's it's a lot of things you have to to think about and to organize and also to make music. It's it's still a piece. Rosenkavalier uh, it's my first own production and uh, every time i look in the score i i get very um, humble and uh, <laughs> I, i'm just uh, hoping that i can trust my musicians and and i have a good feeling to to let it go and yeah. not to yeah, to be too f- afraid about everything
0: <laughs> <laughs> well as regular listeners will know I need to go right back to the beginning and find out how you've ended up conducting Rosenkavalier in Germany with a German accent, but your surname is definitely not German. And how did music first come into your life?
1: It's it's, it's funny because um, when we arrived from uh, Sri Lanka, um, I didn't have any contact with classical music, but Mm. there was... uh, um, a friend of our family who got in touch with us uh, she she's actually a dentist <laughs> and but she was doing music um, not professional but uh, yes um, and, and as a hobby do you say hobby yeah Yes. A hobby. yes. and um, she she wanted us to to, to uh, us means my brother and my sister and me. To learn a a classical musical instrument, and um, yeah, for me it was. I mean, we started with the with the with the chimes, this Glockenspiel, you Mm. call it, and um, this is the way I learned um, uh, the notes. And then um, yeah, one came after. Then we played the recorder, and this is all her. Uh, She she gave gave us lessons in that. And um, and then I ended up with playing flute. And the, the real interesting thing is that she played so many instruments. She was playing violin, viola, uh, cello. And uh, she, she was a, we call in German, musikant. Mm. So she's doing a lot of things. Uh, and um, even though she's not doing it professionally, but, uh, and, and yeah, I'm very grateful for having her mm. because she was, um, uh, very uh, dedicated to to help us and to yeah give us lessons and music
0: i feel i have to ask because um as you said you know or as i read also you you left sri lanka personally at the age of two but your yes. you know, your parents mm-hmm. are obviously sri lankan you through this lovely lady your her, the musicant went into Western classical music at a very early age but were your parents listening to what were your parents listening to at home what was music like on the stereo at home
1: yeah it, yeah so to be honest it was
0: <laughs> just uh, Tamil
1: um, yeah very uh, I mean music of the 60s and 70s oh. my my parents but my 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 parents especially my father he was also interested in Western um, rock music so right, he, yes. he, he knew santana he knew michael jackson and i remember he when, once he was uh, uh, he was traveling and then he came back and with a cassette of michael jackson's dangerous album <laughs> and i was i was listening to it 24 yeah, 7 yeah and um yeah this is also music but mainly it was of course tamil uh, music of the 60s 70s this
0: is yeah. what my parents were listening yeah. to um you mentioned the flute but going ahead and i'm making a a, a sweeping judgment here because you went into the Kapellmeister system yeah. that you, you know that that soon the piano and the organ had to be um become quite a big thing in your life because that is you know your way into that system when did you start playing the keyboard
1: yeah i mean uh, we um, the this uh, dentist this friend of us she also played uh, organ uh, and um, so she gave us some uh, she gave me some lessons in uh, uh, in organ and um, but it was just, um, it was not uh, that big thing. It was just to learn and to, to, yeah. to, to the fingers uh, how, how to manage that. And then I just let it go and then I concentrated on flute. And then I did uh, sing a lot in, cho- in chorus and choirs. Yeah, And, and then occasionally there was uh, an opportunity to, to make a course for um, chorus conducting. Mm. and I just uh, a friend of mine and me we just said okay come on let's do it and then we went there and there was a teacher who said who realized that I'm somehow gifted in in forming sound that sounds a bit strange but yeah but it is how it is it forms sounds with the with gestures and my Mm. hand and then he said, "Why aren't you interested to uh, to make more to, to to go more deeper in the in the conducting thing?" And then um, I said, "Yeah, why not?" And then he said, "Okay, if you want to do conducting, then you have to learn um, uh, piano." Yeah. And that this was the I was around fifteen years old, and this was the moment where I said, "Okay, let's go for it." And then I started with piano, so mm. quite late, but. Uh, um, at least I could, I knew how to, um, to, 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 I knew the keyboard already. Yeah. Yes. So, but then it was a very hard way because uh, I really had to focus on piano. I just le- I left the pia- the flutes, aside, and I was just con- concentrated on on piano. And yeah, so with sixteen, I decided to to become a conductor. Actually,
0: yeah, this is yeah.
1: the moment where. I-
0: but, but you had to do the, the, the hard yards, as they say in English, uh, on the piano uh, to get to, to that position. I mean, you know, it's, it mentioned that you you studied at the Hochschule for Music and Theater in Hanover and mm-hmm. the Musical Hochschule in Lübeck. But Conducting first appears where you studied at the Music Hochschule Franz list in Weimar. So yes. before you get to Weimar and you're in Hanover and Lübeck, were you conducting choirs on the side? Were you starting to conduct orchestras on your own? And was anybody giving you, well, lessons or just advice?
1: Yes. So this first teacher who I was talking about, he uh, was a professor for chorus conducting in Lübeck. Mm. And uh, this is why also I got into Lübeck. I mean, fortunately, there was a brilliant piano teacher for me. It was Jacques Amon, who I studied with in Lübeck. And um, beside that, I I went to um, conducting lessons with uh, this teacher whose name is uh, Professor Gerd Müller-Lorenz, and um, there the I was uh, studying a lot. And I, unfortunately, my my piano teacher he he re- realized that um, I always wanted to to conduct, and I was piano was not that thing for me. He was a bit. Um, yeah sad about that and uh, hmm. but he he accepted it and i uh, i tried to combine both things and i i'm very grateful to have studied piano with him because that also developed me as a musician right. so uh, i learned a lot of technique conducting and also also about music and everything and in five years studying piano and uh, this was also for me, in my uh, opinion, and in my um, career, as you would say, <laughs> yeah. uh, it was very important to me to to develop me as a musician, to mm. develop myself uh, as a musician before I start uh, started studying uh, conducting properly in Weimar.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because it's I can think of at least two episodes before where conductors have mentioned that their teachers. Uh, really helped them through... Their, Their instrumental teachers really helped them go where they wanted to go. I mean, right back near the beginning, Alpes Chohan was having cello lessons in mm. Manchester with Eduardo Vassalo and But Eduardo knew that he wanted to be a conductor, not a cellist, oh, okay. and helped yeah. him, you know. And um, mm. much later on, uh, I remember somebody said they were given lessons by Zach Bron, the famous violin teacher, mm. and they struck a deal. And, you know, if you get so far in this competition, I'll let you go and do conducting. Mm. Whereas I do also know of somebody who I've not interviewed for this, but who sort of had a teacher who put the block on it and said, no, I want you Mm. to become a viola player. Why are you conducting? It's terrible. You know, and to have somebody there who at least understood where you wanted to go and was willing to help you musically, if nothing else, you know, that's really important, isn't it?
1: Yeah. In the end, it's about music making and... uh... I mean, of course, uh, I, I I would not get famous uh, because of I, I'm not a pianist. I, I don't consider myself to be a pianist, and maybe this is also something uh, a teacher always has in mind. I want to to have someone. Be, um, be famous for being my student. Exactly, yeah. yeah. This is yeah. what I can understand about this. But in the end, uh, also my teacher, he he was very proud of me, and he mm. is very proud of me, I know that, mm. um, for being a musician, not mm. a pianist.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so we make it to Weimar, and now you're studying, conducting. Who did you study with in Weimar?
1: I studied with uh, Nicolas Pasquet, and
0: with Gunter Karlat
1: and Anthony Brammel, uh, he's a British conductor, Anthony mm. Bremmel. He was also in München at the Prince Regent Theatre now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, were, were were all three at the same time, or, or was it one after another? Yes, this is the thing in mm. Weimar.
1: I don't know if you have uh, interviewed one of my colleagues from Weimar. In Weimar, uh, it's very good because the class is very very big mm. uh, uh, compared to other classes in Germany, but there are two um main professors and uh, Gunta Karlat was there um as a uh, you cannot cannot say uh, he was emeritated already do you say emeritated yeah and and he was still uh, teaching if um, the main ca- professors uh, had no time or something and i'm yeah. very glad to have ha- had him because i've learned very very much from Gunther Karlat and i appreciate very much
0: mm. uh- yeah. Yeah, And I'm assuming that between them, they were covering stick technique, somebody more than the other, score study, yeah. another one more than the other. Uh, and, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, we we were separating between, um, because the one professor is more uh, dedicated to the uh, opera repertoire and the other one is more for the symphonic. But both do both, as it is uh, yeah. with us conductors. But somehow we, we try to... Um, uh, have them, uh, so that someone is, uh, the one is mainly for opera repertoire and the other for symphonic, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: So while you're in Weimar, you take part in something called the Deutsche Diligenten Forum in 2011, which I know cropped up Oh, dozens of episodes ago. I cannot remember who it was who said they'd attended this. And it's quite an open and honest, a lot of p- f- feedback from players. Is that right? Am I remembering that well? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. the players give you the advice, which frankly, I think is brilliant because I'm an ex-player. And yeah, you, you, you're you getting it from the people who need, you know, who need good conductors. So what was it like? And uh, how brutal or hard were they on you? Actually, yeah. Um i remembered as a
1: it was never brutal i mean of course it was in a way it was brutal but they were i didn't have a bad experience that someone was very mean to me or it was always um, very good in a in a good way to 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 improve us and um the scholarship is brilliant because you you get in contact with different orchestras Hmm. you actually you also introduce yourself to different orchestras maybe they remember you five years later and ask you for a small project and um yeah this this masterclasses were very good and uh i this is also something i'm missing right now because (laughs) um uh you asked me uh, uh what would you or what do, do you don't like about being conductor this is the barrier between musicians and me and yeah. I, I when i am uh, i am as a guest conductor i go to, to uh to to an orchestra and then i at the rehearsals and it's always something about i mean of course i also take something but mainly is something i i'm giving i'm giving and i'm asking them this uh please before then it's, it's not the way I'm, yeah, I would love to talk to to my colleagues and and share their experience and not my experience, because my experience are low limited mm. uh, compared to them, mainly. Yes. I mean, yes. yeah, because most of them, they've played the Brahms symphony a uh, hundred times more often than I have ever conducted it.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, That's and, so true. Um, yeah.
1: And this is something I, I'm really missing and... And I don't like about uh, the position of being conducted. but I mean it is as it is.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Sometimes, also with my orchestra, I I get in contact with the musicians and I try to exchange experience, and um, yeah, and that works. But um, most of the time, it doesn't. I mean, hmm. there's no time for this. <laughs>
0: well, we'll probably touch on it again when I ask you a question eight later on, because it sounds like you've already given your answer to that. But. I think it's one of the luxuries, you know, when we come to you being a uh, capelmeister in Linz, but also now music director in Salzburg, that, yeah. you know, when it's your orchestra and you see the same players week in, week out, that you can have conversations with them and can get feedback yeah. from them. When you're a guest conductor, it never happens. Unless, unless you know, you strike up a relationship very quickly with somebody, it hardly ever happens. Um, yeah. Talking of striking up relationships um after you graduated 2014 2015 your assistant conductor uh at the dresden philharmonic orchestra with their music director michael sandling was that an assistantship where you conducted a lot or was that assistantship where you sat and watched a lot and got to know uh, maestro sandling that way both yeah um,
1: i had uh, two you no, three projects um but there uh, that was uh, a- educational concerts yeah and um, their, uh, yeah, education, which uh, which also was, was programmed with main uh, pieces like Beethoven Fifth mm. or I don't remember, was it Dvorak Ninth, I think. And yeah, it was very nice because it was in a way I, I had to analyze the piece on my own and uh, they, um, the, the team, the educational team, they also suggested some things how we could do the concert, perform the concert, and uh, um, expose things to the uh, and explain things to the young audience. This is what I really love to do. And um, actually, I, I always said to myself when I uh, uh, when I become a chief conductor somewhere, uh, not not at the theatre, but um, hmm. in a symphonic house uh, orchestra. Uh I would love to do this myself because this also sends uh it's not only sending out uh, a signal to 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 the outside world that uh, educational is um, something for chief conductors. It's also something I love to do. Yes, to get in yeah. talk, contact with young audience. Yeah, because they are very very honest. They yeah. they reflect uh, what you're doing immediately.
0: <laughs> well, like you, when I became assistant in Birmingham with the, with the CBSO. Yeah, one of the first things I ever did was family concerts and schools concerts. Yeah. I would first like to say, yet again, to the listeners that they are some of, if not the hardest concerts you ever have to do, because you do ten or eleven pieces, all different styles, genres, tempi, the, you know, starting and stopping. But also, they're the most, some of the most fun, and I still do them regularly. I work, you know, regularly in Liverpool, and I would be like you. And I remember you know when I in my time as a player in Birmingham, Zachary Oromo definitely conducted a few when he started as music director Andris and uh, Nelson's I'm sure did at least one, maybe two and and no Mirga did one or two as well and I think it's very important that the music director does get involved and doesn't just leave it all to the assistant, you know that they should they should also see what the the education department or in the orchestra is is trying to convey to the local population, to the local school kids, to to try and get, you know, further audiences, but also to educate. I think it's very important. I agree with you exactly. completely. Completely agree with you. Um <laughs> which is good. Um yeah, yeah I, but I still say they're the hardest one of the hardest things you ever have to do. Do you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. I absolutely
1: agree. And I love to remember that these concerts because they had also this fresh atmosphere. So uh, the children, they, they also applauded uh, uh, just, just by, um, by an effect. They, did, they didn't wait for the, the end of the concert. They mm-hmm. just, if, if they loved something, they, they clapped their hands and that was, yeah, there was a fresh atmosphere. And this is what I like about uh, these concerts yeah and i i uh, with dresden i also did a lot of ass- assistance with um, michael sanderling and um yeah I, I loved it it was very good i also with this very very good orchestra to have mm-hmm. this experience i'm very grateful for that did yeah.
0: he get did he get to watch you did sandling get to watch you no. and help or or was it mainly talking and yeah about scores and music and
1: it it was after after the uh, rehearsals we just talked a little bit, mm. but he, unfortunately he was very busy and then it was but I, it's still it was nice and I I got um also yeah it was very good for me also for my development to see how he was rehearsing
0: and I learned a lot. Mm. Now. In previous podcasts, I think the first person I interviewed who went into the Kapellmeister system was Kevin John Edusay. Mm. I've subsequently spoke to Alexander Joel, um, Anthony Hermus. Um, uh, I think maybe you're the fourth or fifth or sixth person that I know who's gone into the Capellmeister the system. The first person, as I said, was Kevin John Edusay. And I always say this he said it was brutal. The amount of work that you do, the amount of rehearsing you do, the playing the piano for classes with singers or training with singers, how did you find it? Because you spent five years at Theater Koblenz, eventually becoming first Kapellmeister, and then went on to do three more years as Kapellmeister at uh, Landes Theater in Linz. So that's all they know, that's eight years. um, I mean, obviously, the, the higher up you get, the less the work becomes. But how did you initially find it?
1: Yeah, in, in the beginning, to be honest, I was only, the first three years, I was really playing a lot of piano, yeah. the first three years, because I was second Kapellmeister in Koblenz, and it was, in in I was very lucky with my colleagues, we could help us, it was a small theatre, it is a small theatre, and my colleagues were very nice, and also my chief conductor, Enrico Delambois, he was a uh, a great mentor also for me, and he mm. was always um, uh, uh, taking care of uh, of me. When 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 there was an evening where I had a, a performance, that uh, we we could talk to each other and we could organize that. In the morning, I didn't ha- have to play any uh, stage rehearsals or even um, uh, solo rehearsals, and that's that's why I w- I'm very lucky to to have had that position. And the, the the brutal thing about this is, <laughs> uh, I mean, you had eight hours, actually, four hours in the morning, four hours in the evening, where you had rehearsals. Mm. And in between, I I remember I just came home, I was studying for, for the next, I mean, I also had to prepare uh, conducting things. Yes, of course. And yeah, um, yeah so... Even in the, in the afternoon and even after rehearsals in the evening, I was studying until midnight or later on. And then I had to, to wake up in the morning again. And then, yeah, it was a very, yeah, in that sense, it was very brutal. But I'm grateful for that experience and I really, I really have to uh, highlight that that I really was in a very lucky position with my colleagues, that it was it was not as brutal as I would uh, when I would have started as a um, uh, just as a solo repetiteur. Yes,
0: yeah. Uh,
1: um, yeah, this is something different, and that's why. But I'm still very glad that I had this experience of playing
0: piano. Well, it, it sounds like, uh, and I'm going off about. And uh, of an email discussion I had with Enrico Delenboy, uh only a, a, a month or so ago, because he he's preparing something that I'm conducting next week in Cologne. But mm-hmm. he seems like the sort of person you would definitely want as your first boss. Uh, yes. You know, very well prepared. He was yeah. asking me all of the questions I you know I would expect, and other questions that I hadn't thought of at all. And, yeah. and, and comes over as being an extremely nice man, and I hope to one day meet him. Um, but yeah. it sounds like, you know, he's already thinking of the people underneath him not to flog them too hard, to make sure that you're prepared for your evenings conducting by not, you know, not spending hours at the piano. It sounds like you were lucky in that regard there.
1: Absolutely. And Enrico, uh, talk about Enrico, I, I, I mean, if you would hear this, I, he would be flattered, because, but he's really a musician, through and through and uh, he is also a very wonderful colleague because as you say say he always is aware of of not putting people under pressure too much but also to um to tell them come on you have to to yeah deliver yeah, yeah. so he has a very good balance in my experience and i'm very grateful to have had him as a first as my chief conductor
0: And so, eventually, uh, two thousand and nineteen, you become music director of the Theater Salzburg, which yeah. I'm thinking uh, I might—if I might be right—that you you succeed after Mirga Gražinytė-Tyla. Is that correct? Yes. Um, yeah. The thing is, uh, so after I've uh,
1: been I have have, uh, have been to Koblenz, I left, I I quit because I wanted to go somewhere else, and then. Yeah. Okay, uh, in that period, that must have been 2016, 17, years, 16, yes. Um, I applied for different jobs. And um, yeah, it was funny because uh, in Salzburg there was a, a first Kapellmeister um, uh, they, they, they auditioned for that. And then I went there and, but uh, somehow um, the position was not uh, that sounds a bit arrogant, but I, <laughs> he, he, he's, uh, the intern said, you know, to be honest, uh, this position is just for operetta and musical and it's not for the really good classics and then I said okay wow and the, the funny thing is I didn't have anything instead yeah yes. I was yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was really shortly before uh, being a freelance <laughs> yeah. because I didn't have a really fast um, engagement and then <laughs> he said okay you know I understand I mean you that was also very flattering. He said, "In your position, I would do the same. I can absolutely understand that you uh, not want to that you don't want to have this position. Yes. But maybe let's see. Maybe we we can manage something else. And and um, fortunately, I got the position in Linz instead. Yes. So it was very in the short term. I applied in May and I started in September in Linz. And then I, uh, um, the Intendant in Salzburg, he contacted me again and asked if I would do a, a project as a guest conductor in Salzburg. This is what I did. That was seven, uh, 2018. And then uh, Mirga left and they asked for, uh, uh, they were looking for um, new music director and I I can re- I remember as as it was yesterday. We were my, my wife and I was were sitting at the uh, at the uh, dinner table and we we uh, I read this and then I I was thinking about uh, around two minutes and then we just laughed and then say, I said no it's it's far too too early just leave yes. it yeah 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 yeah. And, yeah but then two or three months later there was very nice uh, the orchestra. Um, they they called me and asked uh, and they said yeah we were very surprised if not shocked that we haven't seen your uh, um, uh, ap- application uh, for
0: <laughs> for music <easy> director yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was very flattering and then yeah somehow I applied again and um, I and then um, yeah they wanted me to come two thousand nineteen. But I wanted to stay for one more year in Linz because there were a lot of things I would like to conduct. Because Linz is a very big house. Yeah. And the chief conductor, Markus Poschner, he's very nice, I, who, who really trusted me a lot and, and gave me also good pieces to conduct. And then I um, yeah, finally come, came 2020 t- to Salzburg. But... In 2019 to 20, I was somehow designated chief music director. And this is where we did Lohengrin. And then, uh, unfortunately, of course, the pandemic came. Mm. But fortunately, I got already the position. So we just moved here
0: and then, yeah. Well, the amount of people who've come on the podcast and said that it means more when the players ask for you well it's Definitely. not uh, yeah it's not just the intendant or the chief executive yeah. or yeah. a committee that's looking it was a musician who wanted to know why you hadn't applied and that gives you a shot in the arm it means that the people who matter really yeah. want you there
1: you know that's- this this is also something what, what uh, convinced me to apply again because i wasn't sure myself and I I always thought it was too early, but then if if I have to, the trust of the people and the orchestra, the musicians, then I can give it a shot. This is what mm. I thought, and and that that's why I applied.
0: Yeah. Well, it's wonderful that you're you're doing that, and uh, and now of course post COVID, you're you know you're doing your own productions and sorting out what's going on with the house, which means that you've probably now got more time. Now you're a music director to take on some symphonic guest work. Um, again, going back to all of the, those other people I'd talked about with the Kapellmeister system, I said, it's amazing, you, as I said, especially said to Kevin, it's amazing, these people seem to appear out of nowhere on the conducting scene, sort of in their l- late 20s, early 30s. You think, well, I've never heard of them. That's because they've been buried away in a in a theatre, chained to a piano. But, you know, come out, and and it means that you can now do more guest conducting uh, in the symphonic world. Uh, so what sort of... Per- Percentage would you hope to do going forwards? Looking ahead, in an ideal world, you know, opera versus guesting, and maybe forming a relationship, with a principal guest, or even a music director as a, of a symphony orchestra. What do you think, yeah. percentage wise
1: Yeah. In in that way, it's interesting how I did. Uh, I I wanted to be a conductor because of the symphonic repertoire, yeah. and somehow, luckily. Uh, because I got this assistance uh, at the Staatsorchester Rheinische Philharmonie, I got more into the uh, the opera, yeah. and I I dived into it and I loved it. Because but before I wasn't really uh, really aware about opera, or I, I I always wanted to do symphonic and I wanted to be very stubborn only on that on <laughs> that thing focused. But uh, I really learned to love the opera, and I think there were also some time where I just wanted to do opera conducting. But now I always get more and more into the symphonic things. And that's why I'm not sure. If you ask me now, I would do 50-50. I would love to do 50-50. Because um, uh, opera conducting is is something different than uh, symphonic conducting. It starts with the projects, the, the projects last longer and um, with, with working with the singers and also with the stage and the directors, it's something totally different when you work on symphonic projects, you have one week or four days and you just focus on that program and then you um, yeah, just deliver. <laughs> and uh, with the opera, it's something I love the, the atmosphere and the Hauptprobe. I don't know, is, is it the, the the rehearsal before the uh, dress rehearsal where everything yeah. comes together? Mm. That means costume, uh, light, um, the mask, and um, also the, the the statisterie and the, uh, yeah. Bah. And uh, really, it gives me goosebumps. Yeah. Whenever we, we, we appear on the Hauptprobe, everything comes together and um, yeah. and there's also something you you need some different way of spontaneous spontaneous you you need to be spontaneous in a different way sometimes i conduct because the the singer he he needs a, a little more rest i can i can yeah you you react spontaneously and in a different way than you would do in the symphonic Concept. yes i mean in the symphonic yeah. concert you'd also need to be spontaneous but it's something different you will agree as a conductor yeah. you know what i mean well yeah. also
0: in a run of let's say six or seven opera performances they're not going yeah. to be at the same health every night yeah. they're not yeah. going to be in the same mood every night yeah. you know, if you do also the, me yeah, yeah. Also, also you me. exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. um yeah. Uh, I, I agree with you also uh, I, i'm not sure what we would call it in english the, the rehearsal the first rehearsal when the staging the costumes are that's when you feel, hey, it's it's just around the corner. You know, yeah. the, the Zitzprober is, is also exciting. So, and for those who mm-hmm. don't know, dear listener, the Zitzprober is the first time you get the orchestra and the singers and the chorus all in the same room together, but they're wearing civilian clothes. They're wearing their shorts, their mm-hmm. T-shirts, their whatever they want to wear. But the prober is when, you know, people are now wearing their costumes and the staging is there. And that's when the, the you start getting the goosebumps. I've done the opera twice. I did Il Tritico, um mm. and also uh, La Vie Parisienne, Offenbach. Mm. And yeah, that, that it, it is an exciting day. And uh, you know, I sort of bounced in ready for mm. it to start. And yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I've barely done the opera, and I love the two times that I did it. Um, yeah, it's it, very exciting. But you're right. In it the it's been said so often on here, but it is that the difference between six weeks on with one work or possibly six days with a concert programme. You know, if you're lucky, you might get three three or four days rehearsal in Germany and you might get two performances. Um, and then that's it. Then you're off somewhere else or, you know, you start another programme. Yeah. Um, with either symphonic or with opera, you have to do what we all have to do. and And you're going to have to do what all of the other people I've interviewed is going to have to do, which is answer this question. When you come to a new score, do you have a system? Being a pianist, do you sit at the piano? and work your way through it uh do you start from the beginning and work your way to the end or do you look bigger and go smaller and smaller and for the geeks and for me especially are you a scribbler of things in your scores are you red blue black highlighter pens you know how do you do it you're you smiling grinning and pointing at me as if so yet yeah, you've hit the nail on the head so tell us tell us about your colors and also if you use a piano or just use your inner ear
1: yeah uh Actually, I believe in everything everything what what helps me is uh, it to to uh, to learn and to to grasp uh, the uh, um, uh, the score helps me. first of all the operas, I always start of course with uh, the piano score. I mm. just look as well play some pieces and stuffs and um, and then i, I I'll. I'm really, you know, I have a lot of pens here yeah, on my
0: desk. <laughs> yeah, if I could move the camera, uh, yeah. I would. Yeah. Um... yeah. But my, I'm sitting right next to my my work desk, and it's just covered in pencils, uh, shavings from erasers. I mean, it's all over the floor. It's you know it, it, exactly. Yeah. This
1: is how I work.
0: So yeah. this is also to give me a
1: structure. So who is singing? Which um which instruments are uh, are in that uh, act and or in that in that movement? And yeah. So I first of all I organize, mm. and then I try to read a lot about things like like um. Um, if if, if I, of course I re- read the libretto or the original things and, and then I, um, if it's an opera who, which is uh, already recorded I li- try to listen to very old recordings mm-hmm. to, to see how it develops of course I also listen to new recordings but if there's no recording I try to sing the lines and mm-hmm. um, it's a long way and uh, to be honest the first time i really uh, realize how it really sounds is in the or because then i can hear so many different things uh, and but 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 the brain is very fast and, you know yeah. as soon as you have structured your, your score and people say uh, you you draw in your score and this is also, i'm fine with it i'm honest yeah. as long as it helps me yeah. is, it it will help the musicians and if it helps the musicians it helps the music, yeah. and this is uh, what what I, 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 I'm
0: really not, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fine not, with that. I'm yeah. the same as you. I'm not ashamed yeah. that I draw. Yeah, I'm not ashamed of you know, that. <laughs> red, blue, I have arrows yeah. going in various directions. I yeah. write notes about, historical notes about, you know, performances I might have heard or what happened here in the original performance or all sorts of things yeah. I write in. It helps me learn it, which means that I'm better prepared to then you know conduct the orchestra and either teach it to them or you know form it together with them so yeah I, i'm not frightened at all i mean i know some yeah. people have come on here and said oh i've never write a thing in my score in my life you know if, if you write yeah. something in you you don't you can't have learned it well that's your way yeah. my way is different and it sounds like you're similar yeah. to me
1: and what, what is important to me uh, to 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 highlight things which is more uh, important in that moment or which which guides us as all of us through uh, in the next passage, and um, yeah, I think that that's really helpful. And I mean, as long as you don't cover the original printed, this mm. is what I'm very aware of because this is really a no go. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. want to cover something. Hell, what what is uh, the the original thing said? This I'm very careful with, but I still I'm still a drawer.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. and and I'm glad also that you've you know you're one of many who've said that they listen to recordings. And I think for a long time, Mm. it was considered a no-no. Oh, you should form your own opinion and and Mm, hear it in your own Mm. head. But you, how stupid you would be to not listen to. You know, if Strauss has conducted one of his own operas, why would you not listen to it? The same with Benjamin Britten's conducted, recorded his own operas. Why would you not listen to it? I think you'd be stupid not to. Um, all you must, what you must not do, is ever just copy. But you know, yeah. I always yeah. say to, to myself, I know. I know when I've got an interpretation in my head when I'm listening to something and go yeah I love this and then a conductor will do something and I go oh my god I would never do that you know mm. and, and you you you've you've formed mm. your ideas and mm. I, yeah it's I think you'd be stupid not to but then you know yeah. you've got to be careful and always listen to
1: recordings with the score and be yes. very uh, critical about what happens what you and this is how so it's a very productive listening A productive way of listening to recordings, because then not everything. Yeah, I mean, sometimes things happen which is not in the score, and then sometimes I just realize what I just do a big question mark because um, the third recording does the same, and then I start wondering why is it, and then Mm -hmm. I check the orchestra material. Otherwise, I would really run into an open open knife.
0: Yes, (laughs) yes, yes, yeah.
1: yeah. I mean. This is what I mean, everything helps as as long as everything In a different way i i sing i i play the piano i i structure i i draw i listen Um, this is everything what i do even uh, um, working with singers helps me also again to learn a score
0: Mm. yeah Mm, absolutely yeah well they'll they'll teach you but then there are also times when you have to teach them and the best way of learning anything is teaching i know as a conductor i teach but also Mm. when i was a violinist i taught people and the amount of times I, you know, a student would walk out of the room, and I'd sit there and go, "You have just said, you know, for them to do that, but you don't do that yourself, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> get thinking, get working, you know. And uh, yeah, mm. uh, teaching is very important. So yeah, mm. as an opera conductor, you're going to be doing that. Absolutely. Mm. As this podcast has demonstrated, I love chatting about conducting, and I love teaching conducting. There is a way that you can have conducting lessons from myself, and it is very easy indeed. If you subscribe at the highest level on my Patreon page, you can get 10 hours of my time over a 12-month period. You'll also gain access to everything I post on Patreon, that's interviews, videos, essays, articles, tour diaries, the list goes on and on. I already have four young conductors who've signed up for this, and I know that if they could, they would tell you how much they've gained from the experience so far. If you sign up for the whole year in one payment, you will also get a 10% discount, and if you're a student, an even bigger discount. You can find my Patreon page by going to patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com, and searching for either a mic on the podium or my name. There's also a link to the page in the show notes below on most podcast platforms. Now, it's time for the all-important 10 questions with my guest, Leslie Saganandarajah. Leslie, it's that time. It's the 10 questions. And as listeners know by now, I start with what sound or noise do you love and what sound or noise do you hate?
1: Um, I love definitely um, uh, the voice of my baby girl. <laughs>
0: she's
1: 16 months. And even, I must admit, even when she's crying, somehow I, I love the sound and it makes me feel home. And um, yeah, this is really the the first thing which would come in mind my mind if I would describe a sound that that I really love and I actually to be honest uh, a noise that I don't like I maybe some simple things some scratch on the chalkboard Mm -hmm. I wouldn't like that but
0: yeah yeah, I think the other equivalent one is a knife on a plate or a fork on a yeah, plate. Something that, like that. that yeah. <laughs> <stuff>. yeah. But <laughs> I agree with you, the sound of your child child's voice, especially yeah. around the time they're learning words, and there's a yeah. sort of burbly bumbly sound that they make because they're trying to form words, is it's delightful. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, she's yeah.
1: trying now now the next three months. I'm I'm sure she will say some words, and now this this it's trend, trend this transfiguring. Um, yeah. From forming words, it's wonderful. I love it. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, you know, mine are nineteen and twenty-three now. My daughters and their <laughs> their words are somewhat different now. So, <laughs> <laughs> nice. if you had twenty-four hours free, what would you spend it doing? Definitely spending
1: my time with the family, with my wife yeah. and my children, and my, with my child. Yeah. <laughs> my child. <laughs> I just have one child. I definitely, would.
0: Would
1: take yeah.
0: that time well it's it's important because you know we are away a lot whether even you know you, i don't know where you know if you live in salzburg where your job is um even then you're spending most of the day in the in the you know in the in the opera house right. uh okay. and you're going to miss bath times you're going to miss bed times um and i know i did because i at the time my kid when my kids were same age as your daughter. Mm. I had two jobs, I was conducting and I was playing the violin in the CBSO. So, you know, I was spending a lot of time away and, you know, I feel like I probably missed too much of their growing up. Mm. So yeah, absolutely uh, very important uh, and a very good answer. Number four, who would be a favorite conductor or conductors of yesteryear? Definitely it would be uh, Cliver and Abado. But even
1: the older generation, I would uh, say Rudolf is someone I really Ooh. appreciate very much, and um, I mean, of course, Maris Jansons. Unfortunately, mm. is already yesteryear. Yes, uh, Maris Jansons is definitely one of my someone I really adore. Mm. About being a musician, not 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 conducting in a way, but how he. Is a musician and his attitude towards music is something I really that inspires
0: me very much. See, Rudolf Kempé's name has not come up very much, whereas I I love his recordings. There's lots yep. I've got lots of, if not all of his recordings of Richard Strauss. Uh, mm. Yeah, and I, the the stuff I've seen of him on YouTube, I really like his technique mm. and the way he conducted. And it's just a name that's not cropped up. Funnily enough, Abado's cropped up quite a lot and Carlos yeah. Kleiber is is winning yeah. hands down more than anybody else. Yeah. I assumed you meant Carlos rather than Eric. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. Um, but yeah, Kempe doesn't appear that often as well. Yeah.
1: But somehow I discovered that he know, uh, sometimes about, I was always asking my teacher, so what is right? What is wrong? And um, a very good answer, my, my former mentor, Enrico Delamoy, or some, or some um, he said, and I, it always comes to my mind, there are no problems, there are just solutions we have mm-hmm. to to do only solution. there's no there no there's no wrong and right but there's solutions. This yes. is what I really like about this positivity in this answer. And um with Rudolf Kemper is something everything seems to be right he's doing i mean if you read the scores and listen to the recordings it seems correct yeah. it's also something i i also discovered with bernard Heiting. also yes. it seems to be correct and you don't know why it is mm. correct it seems and this is some magical thing i don't know maybe yeah but yeah it's strange this is what i really adore about buddorf kemper
0: it's a sad fact that when i started this podcast that bernard Haitink could have been one of the answers to question five which is who would be your favorite current conductor of course now he's an an answer to question four but i wonder i wonder who is an answer from you for question five so who would be your favorite current conductor or conductors
1: yeah um uh, I definitely love Pavo Yerby at the moment because because of the, his interpretation about Beethoven and Schumann. I I just recently discovered and I'm I was when I re- heard it the first time I was wow what's yeah, this yeah. and uh, it was really this rough sound and yeah it seemed also right to me and Andres Nelsons I like very much also his attitude towards music. Mm. But, uh, hard question, because there's some repertoire I like that conductor more and that yes. conductor more. But I think, uh, yeah, yeah, I think Yevie and Nelsons are right now the conductors I, which
0: I like very much because of their attitude and music. Yeah, yeah perfectly good answers. I mean, I played for Pava Yevi when he was principal guest conductor in Birmingham. Yeah, um, but he, you know, that that was a, a long time ago my the la the music director when I retired was Andrews Nelson's, and his uh-huh. attitude, as you say to towards mm-hmm. music is amazing. I remember him saying to me he came to i wanted um because I was assistant conductor when he started. I wanted him to see me conduct and he came to watch me rehearse and it was a music that didn't the orchestra didn't know and and I spent a lot of time doing ensemble things, boring things, rhythm things, checking notes. And I saw him afterwards and he sat me down and he said, yes, you can conduct. He said, uh, tell me, when are you going to talk about the music? You know, it was mm-hmm. straight away. He was talking about, he wanted to talk about the music and, and always, you know, that whatever you do serves the music. Um, and it's almost a childlike enthusiasm he has for it. Um, you know, mm. sometimes he can get completely carried away with it all. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it, everything to do with the music. And I learned that mm. lesson from him. I mean, mm. as it happened, that rehearsal had to be the way it was because of the, the repertoire mm. we were playing. But he was right, absolutely right. When are you going to mm. talk about the music? So yeah, brilliant choices. Question six. And it's one of my favorite questions because I hardly ever have the same answer. What is the hardest work you've ever conducted?
1: Technically, I think it was uh, maybe Sacre du Printemps, Mm. uh, because it was not my production, but it was the production of my chief conductor uh, in Linz, and I had to jump in or just go for a performance and do it. I mean, it would be something different if I would have uh, had the rehearsals with the orchestra that would definitely something different, but in that moment, it was the hardest piece uh, that <laughs> I technically conducted. But um, uh, for my own production, it uh, was uh, an opera production that was uh, *Penthesilea* by Ottmar Schöck. And it was a brilliant production, which um, where where we had the director, uh, Peter Konvichny, uh, because the orchestra was behind the stage, Mm -hmm. but two pianos um, in the orchestra, they were on stage behind me, as well as the singers and the chorus. And uh, I mean, it's really you have to know the piece very 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 good and i only had to it was just one side uh, um, communication because i had the monitors and i had to give the cues into the camera um okay i think technically that was the hardest piece emotionally it's very hard to say because there Mm. are some some moments i remember it was just moments where i i drift away for one or two uh, measures and i mean it always depends on my condition what 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 happened around that time and but i i it, i never I, I can't say that i i never drifted that far away that i um, uh destroyed the uh, performance <laughs> i'm very glad about that because yeah. this is something we always have to be aware of yeah um my 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 teacher always said you know you have to make the audience cry don't cry yourself
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: so and this is something i remember when of course it gives gives me <gasps> some moments it, it carries you away yeah. and I, yeah. I remember when i when went did electra and Linz there there was some some two bars I was drifting away and then I said come on Leslie be professional you have to yeah the the musicians rely on you please stay there and then I yeah this is something yeah emotionally this and always uh, there are very tempting moments which we have to resist.
0: Yeah (laughs) where you can get carried away. I'm gonna I'm gonna linger on your middle answer because both times I conducted opera, I was in that situation where everybody was actually physically behind me and the only <laughs> way, only contact I had was through a camera and the singers were looking at the monitor. What I found difficult was in, in an ensemble piece, for instance, like Gianni Skiki or in La, um, La Vie when you've got two or three people singing, you cannot cue anybody directly because you just point at a camera you don't know which what where you know you work out a mirror image or whatever you just right. got a cue and yeah. hope that the person who knows it's for them knows it's for them. You can't look look at them in the eyes like you can exactly. on an in from an opera pit. And yeah, especially in Janis Skeiki, I found that so difficult. You know, you just have to just point at the camera and hope that the right person takes it as their cue. Um, yeah, I find it
1: also very very difficult for for color opera. Yes. For the, this is really I mean for Puccini. I don't know how how you did it. The uh, I mean for Strauss and also the Penta. Yeah, it's very. The conductor is the boss. Yeah, right. he really yeah. has to go straight for uh, straight ahead. But with Jenny Skiki wow! I wonder you, how you have managed that because <laughs> you somehow you with a, with a seventh sense you need to know when when the thing is going going on and wow.
0: <laughs> yeah, we did it. We did four performances with two casts. So I only had two goes with each cast, uh, and it, yeah, it was it was tricky. Um, I mean, it actually, came off very well. Uh, but of the three of the tritico that was the hardest one to pull together you know il tabaro is work. normally only one or two people singing and they're they're in dialogue uh and so angelica again much the same but mm-hmm. yeah jenny skiki was always a real <laughs> that was tricky that was really yeah, tough i believe um, but it, it meant that the the singers had to know that they, they couldn't rely that much on me because i couldn't i mean as i said i would give the cue down the camera but they had to know it was for them. They, I couldn't look. So uh, I'm dying to conduct in an opera house from a pit and look at somebody in the face and give them a cue. I can't wait to do that. <laughs> I believe you. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> when traveling abroad to conduct, what item could you not leave home without?
1: definitely i need colored pencils uh, uh, different kind of pens yeah. and i need a lot of shirts uh, that's because i really sweat as soon as i uh, i take my arms up i sweat really very very much and, and when i travel as a conductor i really need some shirts because they are really wet after they're soaking wet after 10 minutes
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm nodding and grinning because I am the same uh, yeah. most of the reason why I'm the same is because I'm way 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 bigger than I should be but mm-hmm. you know I I was working last week away in uh, Austria and it was mm-hmm. hot and I'd been there before and I knew the room yeah. was hot so I took three shirts a day I knew I'd yeah. use one in the morning rehearsals one in the afternoon rehearsals and I'd want one for dinner at night you know <laughs> It was just, that was you know, I'll pay the extra weight on my luggage at the airport, but I'm going to need the shirts. Yeah. So The yeah. same,
1: same here, same here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Number eight, we sort of discussed earlier on, which is the one thing you would change about being a conductor, mm-hmm. and you talked about the lack of interaction that's mm-hmm. possible between you and the players, and I'm assuming you're mainly talking about when you guest conduct there. I mean, I would hope that already in Salzburg, for instance, that you're gaining relationships and trust with players, and, and players can come to you and and talk to you about how they think things are going. Um, exactly, and yeah. Go on. And
1: I also know uh, people who are really directly can contact contact about uh, certain things, uh, and this is also something which, which helps me a lot to, to, to develop a good um results for everyone and, oh. but this is something different with guest conducting because you don't know who's in charge of certain things i mean of course the concert is in charge of every uh, the orchestra somehow but you know as a conductor you know uh, there are more um practice, uh, around the, the orchestra and this is something i'm really yeah the,
0: missing this this barrier between the conductor and musicians yeah I, I mean i i wonder whether is it still a barrier or is there a line in the sand if you know what i mean Where, whereas because what I, the reason why i say that is you know i started playing in the music profession as a 21 year old violinist in 1991 mm-hmm. and attitudes over the last 31 years are from orchestra players to conductors and mm-hmm. let's face it conductors in the other direction to orchestra players mm-hmm have improved greatly mm-hmm. i think there has to be a line somewhere between because obviously you 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 know you have to turn around and say i'm i'm sorry you're rushing or i'm could that be mm-hmm. flat flatter or sharper or you know you there has to be some sort of uh you know line drawn somewhere but i don't think it's it's quite the barrier it was i put it that way yeah, i think I'm some sure. orchestras still would like there to be a barrier um yeah. i think some orchestras are much more aggressive towards their guest conductors mm-hmm. than others are but I would yeah. say that it's a lot. It's got a lot better. I'm trying to make. I'm trying to, I'm trying to make you smile. As, lucky you. You've joined at a, a better time than maybe yeah. I did when <laughs> I was 21. But you know, yeah. when I was 21, you know, people were quite horrible to guest conductors occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I believe. Yeah. yeah, but no, you're right. When you when we go and guest conduct, it's tough. You know. You, yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, the people are friendly, but it's somehow strange to to search for. A or yeah uh, it's somehow um, a level you have to uh, jump over to to go to somewhere one and uh, can we talk about this i mean if there's yeah. a clarinet solo i Go directly to the musician and say, hey, please let's talk about the solo I wouldn't mm. like to what what do you think and there's some some communication and exchange between the musician mm. and me and this is something I, of course I try to face and I go very offensive to the, the, the to the musicians mm. um, but generally it's yeah it's it's still hard with, mm. Let's
0: say put in that way. <laughs> but uh, you, you be me smile inside. Where you know, if you go to a clown and ask, you know, let's talk about this solo, I, I've often found that it's going to go one of two ways. That way, they're either going to say, "Yeah, great, let's talk about it," or "Why? What was wrong with it?" You know, yeah. <laughs> if she, you say, let's she, talk about yeah. the solo and you get why, yeah. what was wrong with it, then you think, oh, yeah. okay, you know, I've only just come yeah. to talk about it and yeah. I want to, I want to feel, know what, how, what your feeling is about it. But yeah, yeah sometimes that yeah. doesn't come across like that. And yeah. yeah, it's, but it's, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. And that's yeah. why I think we all crave our diaries filled up with orchestras that we like to go back to and you've, yeah. you you've, you've already formed a relationship and then you carry on with it, you know, and, yeah. And you build on it, and you, know, you develop. You develop definitely. exactly, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Number nine. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I would definitely try to
1: uh, attempt to be a, an occupational therapist. This is what my my wife does, and I yeah. really am. Um, it's a very. Uh, grounding or do you say grounding is yes absolutely keeps me down on Mm. on earth Mm. um and it's a wonderful work to help people and yeah this is something i would like to i i don't say that i would do it as good as my wife does but I would <laughs> I would try to I would try to.
0: <laughs> I, it's I I've never asked the question um because it's it's too personal but you've just mentioned that you know but she's not a musician I'm assuming. Um, no
1: no she's occupational therapist yeah Yeah. but what I
0: mean by that is you know my wife is not a musician and and, you know I come home and she asks me how my day's gone and I've probably got between five and ten minutes before it's right right. yeah you need to put the bins out or you know could you load the dishwasher please or whatever it is you know and, and as you say you're back down to earth and grounded back down to you know the normality of of human existence rather than the place we often you know float above the clouds if you've, you've been yeah. in a wonderful wonderful performance or you've been struggling with something you know yes. it,
1: it, I I don't mean that the, the, I mean it's very important what we are doing yes absolutely yeah but that is something which is really taking us down on earth, uh, that people are really uh, are struggling to move their little finger. Mm-hmm. And then um, if they achieve to, to move their fingers, it's really a success. Yeah. You have to appreciate that. Yeah. And this is something I really, yeah, it helps me a lot.
0: I said earlier on that number six was one of my favourite questions, but I always finish with my absolute favourite question. Number ten, which is, if the world were to end tonight, what would be your choice of final meal and drink?
1: I would definitely have uh, a meal which was cooked by my parents, especially my dad, Uh, his uh, shrimp curry, and I would like to have a big coconut water from Sri Lanka, a Tamali (laughs)
0: coconut oh a shrimp curry oh you've got me salivating and drooling uh Sri Lankan curries are known to be hotter than Indian am I right about that definitely yeah and uh, and taste yet. Yeah, to be honest, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, lo- I, lo- I love I love the absolute no no shame about being biased about That's wonderful <laughs> uh, and wonderful. It's been I've really enjoyed chatting to you, Leslie, over the last hour or Same so. Here. And I hope very much, maybe not over Sri Lankan curry because I can't take my chilli heat that much, but you know, we can meet over a curry and a, and a beer and a coconut water in the future. Thank you.
1: I'd love to. I'd love to. Thank you for having me. It was great time. Thank you.
0: A mic on the podium was devised and produced by Michael Seal with music by Ben Dawson. Next time, I chat with a conductor who also classes himself as a composer and an arranger. He's probably best known for his work conducting film music, working with orchestras all across Southeast Asia, the United States of America, and his native Australia. He also stars in a superb podcast all about film music. But until then, bye-bye.